My name is Chris Pletcher. For those of you that I don't know yet, I'm the family's pastor here at Antioch, and uh, my wife, Arlena, and I, we've been at this church for seven and a half, eight years. We've been on staff for the last three, and we just love being a part of this community, of this family. God has an amazing plan for College Station, Texas. Did you know that? He is doing something unique in this city. So you might think that you just came here to get a great education, and while that is amazing, he's also doing something in the kingdom of God in this hour, in this city. And there is no place we would rather be, uh, the Pletcher family, than here in College Station, Texas, being a part of what God's doing. And uh, so we, we love it here. We um, are wrapping up today our four-week series on living stones. So the Lord has spoken this word to our elder and leadership team for 2019, has directed us to 1 Peter chapter 2 and this identity that we have together, individually and together, um, of being these living stones. Because God is building something. Did you know that? He's building something. He's building something special, and actually, He wants you in it. He wants me in it. I would say not only are you wanted, but you are needed. You are needed in what God is building, and it's been a fun month. I hope that you've been encouraged and that you've enjoyed uh, this series, but as we, as we kind of bring it home today, obviously we're going to be talking about living stones all year long, but as we bring it home today, I've got to put a little disclaimer on the front end of this message, all right? So my wife, Arlena, and I, we have four kids. Three of those are boys, okay? Rowdy energetic, amazing, rambunctious, precious boys. And I love being a daddy. I love my boys. I am a, I'm a like affectionate, I'm a hugger. I'm kid, we're always snuggling, wrestling, doing, I just love being a daddy. But from time to time, I've got to pull my boys into the living room to have some real talk, to have some daddy, son, like family, like just to kind of remind the family, this is how we do it in our house. And this is the culture of our family, and this is what it means to be a Pletcher. And so there are going to be parts of this message today that are going to be kind of like that family moment in the living room. And so if this is your like first week at Antioch, or you're still, you're in from out of town, or, or you're still trying to figure out if this is your church, I am so, so thankful you're here. And I believe God's going to do amazing things in your life today. But the more direct and intense parts of this message today, they're not directed at you. They're directed at the family, okay? They're directed at the sons and daughters. They're saying, this is our church family. Are you with me? So I want you to hear the heart of some of the things that we're going to be diving into today. This is, there's going to be parts of this message that are really uh, some real talk. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah. All right. So as we, as we jump in here, I want to just kind of share a little bit of my personal story with God to, to just hopefully provide a fresh picture of how important the household of God is, the church, the family of God, this, this building, this people that God is, is creating. So um, I, I did not grow up with a whole lot of Jesus in my life, all right? I did not grow up in a, in a Christian home. So my foundation was just, my life was for about the first 18 years built on this just shifting sand. And when you don't actually, when you, we don't grow up learning to honor God or earning, learning to follow God, you actually just learn to follow yourself. You become your own God. And so really, for the first 18 years of my life, I just kind of did what I wanted to do. I just lived for myself, and I built this very unstable life on shifting sand because I was my own God. 
I came to A&M in 2001, so 18 years ago, my freshman year, I come to A&M, um, and, and honestly, I came to get away from a lot of my family brokenness, a lot of the mess, and I joined a fraternity, and I was running the wrong direction fast, no interest in being a part of what God was doing. A couple nights after I joined this fraternity, I'm sitting in my bedroom, and frankly, I, I just had kind of hit the bottom of living for myself, and I was miserable. I was, I was broken. I was lonely. I was depressed. I was guilty, and I was thinking, man, there has got to be more to life than this. Amen? Anybody ever been there before? Maybe I'm telling your story this morning. Maybe you're like, wow, that's why I'm at church today, because I'm building my house on shifting sand, and I'm wondering if there's anything more. And I would say, if you're finding yourself in my story today, I would tell you, yes, there is more. And just like God said to me, so that night in my dorm room, just in the the quiet place of my heart, God spoke to me. He said, there is more. Chris, my name is Jesus. Follow me, and I'll show you the more to life. And I can't explain all that happened to me, but I put my head in the word of God for the next four days. I woke up and I said, if this Jesus is who he says he is, I got to see it for myself. I got to look at it. I got to hear his own words for myself. For the next four days, I read the word of God. I would go to the frat house at night and then I'd read the Bible in the morning. I was just like in this like, wow, Jesus, what am I going to do with my life? And guys, at the end of that four days, I saw if this is Jesus and he is who he says he is, then he, he demands my whole life. And I dropped out of my fraternity, and my whole life turned. And it was radical. It was radical. And really quickly, I began to realize that my entire life that had been built on this poor foundation of shifting sand needed to be relocated onto a new foundation. And so that was what began to happen. And there were two components that were so critical to that journey of relocating my life. And it was really a commitment to the people of God and a commitment to the word of God. Really simple. I chose to completely just submerge my life in his word and and surround myself with his people. And I began to see my entire life transformed like pretty quickly and pretty radically. Guys, I was like, I was really lost. Okay. I was like really far from God, broken, living for myself. And within a few months, it was like I was a totally different person. It was like I got born again. It was like the old has gone and the new has come. It was like the gospel is true and God actually resurrected me to a new life. And my life really radically and pretty quickly began to be transformed as soon as I surrendered to follow Jesus. It was like nothing could stop him from changing my life because just because I submerged myself in his word and surrounded myself with his people. My life was like this big chunk of rock. And every day with Jesus and with his people and in his word, it was like he was just kind of chipping some stuff off me and he was He was trying to form me into something. And he shaped and chiseled me. And and in case you don't know, this is like your destiny. This is all of our destiny is actually to just be conformed to the image of Jesus. To just be shaped to look like 
Jesus. That's why you are alive. That's why you've been saved. That's why he died on the cross, so that you could look like Jesus. I know we have all these great plans and dreams for our future and what your major is and what you're going to do with your life and your amazing family that you've got planned, but really the purpose of your life is just to look like Jesus. That's it. And I love the way Paul says it in Galatians 4.19. He says, he talks to us about the, he's speaking to children. He says, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Isn't that beautiful? Christ is formed. That is what God is doing. That is what this is all about. He's forming Jesus in us. He's forming Jesus in us. And, and yes, he wants us to look like Jesus, and he's shaping and chiseling us till we look like Jesus, but it's not just for us. It's actually also because he's building something. He's building something on the earth, and would you look at that? There's actually a spot in the wall for me. And so he, it's not just about you. It's about what he's building, right? But, oh, uh-oh. All right. There's a spot for me in the wall and something he's building, but actually there's quite a little bit more chiseling that needs to happen for me to fit into what he's doing because he's conforming Jesus in me. He's shaping me. And we see this is what it means to be a living stone is that, yes, it is about you and what Jesus is doing in you, but it's also about what he's building. It's also about the house. You see, your personal journey with God, uh, just to break it to you today, is not just your personal journey with God. Your personal journey with God impacts the entire house that he's trying to build. If you're, as long as you're a part of this church family, your personal journey with God impacts what he's trying to build in this place. It is never just about you. It's about all of us. And so we see that in 1 Peter 2, as this, this passage of living stones, we see that we're called to put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. He's chipping these things off of us. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. There are two phrases that just jumped out on, of the page as I was reading this this past week. Two phrases. The first one was grow up. The second one was built up. You see, it's never just about me. I have to grow up in the Lord so that we can be built up. See, you have to grow up in the Lord personally so that we can be built up. It's never just about me. It's never just about you. He's building something. And so we come to Jesus and we, we put away, we begin to put away all the junk that's corrupting our lives, that's stealing our joy, that's damaging our relationships. We, we put our hands, our lives in the, the hands of the Lord and we say, Lord, have your way. Get this stuff off of me. If it doesn't look like Jesus, get it out of my life. Because he's building something on the earth 
Actually, he's building a dwelling place for himself. Do you know that he wants to dwell among us as a church? Like, God himself wants to sit amongst us in College Station, Texas, of all places. He wants to dwell among us in such a powerful way that the impossible is normal, that miracles happen every day, that people get saved every week, that your life group's continually growing because God is there. People can't resist God. They can't. The question is, will we be built into something in a place where he's honored to dwell? He's building something. And every stone is needed. Every stone, not just wanted. You're not just wanted in his house. Here, you are needed. If Jesus has saved you, if Jesus has called you out of darkness into light, it is because you are needed in the house that he's building. You're needed. But the only way that you and I will find our spot in the wall is if we're willing to be chiseled, if we're willing to be shaped, is if we say yes to him forming Jesus inside of us. So it's week four of this series, and, and I'm going to be honest, it, it's been an awesome series. I've loved this. It's been so fun to, to camp on this, this word of living stones and We've got a new song, and it's fun. We get to sing about the gates of hell will not prevail against this church, right? But today is a day where we just have to get real for a second and say, church family, like, are we really in for what he's building? And that means, have we truly surrendered to his shaping? Have we truly said yes to Jesus and to being shaped until we look like Jesus so that we can fit into what he's building and see his spirit dwell among us. Today is the day where, if you're a part of this family, we're asking you, we are intentionally inviting you, and we're saying, are you in? You're wanted. You're needed in the house. But what God is building, in order to build what he's wanting to build, we all have to be stones that are willing to be shaped. Myself included. So what is a living stone? What is a living stone? I believe that a living stone is a stone that is surrendered to his shaping. That a living stone is a stone that adds to the progress of his house. I believe that a living stone is someone who has learned to be a living sacrifice. So I want you to flip to Romans 12, and we're going to dive into this this morning. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit of like deer in the headlights, which I'm not afraid of that. It means you're actually listening and God's doing something. But I think that maybe what needs to be said is that this is a beautiful process of being shaped to look like Jesus. It's what you were made for. It's not scary. Yes, it is a little bit painful at times because he's shaping, molding, chiseling us but it's what you're made for, and it's so beautiful, and there's so much abundant life, so much abundant life. A living sacrifice. I love this. Romans 12, 1 and 2, a familiar passage. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual 
worship. Worship goes so far beyond the songs that we sing here on a Sunday morning. Worship is our entire lives offered to him to be shaped as a living stone. So he goes on to unpack. So what is this spiritual worship? Well, the spiritual worship means that we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. We're going to talk about that. That's a great question. What is the will of God? Well, thankfully, he answers it right here. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so I want to talk about this idea of a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to the Lord. We see this in 1 Peter 2 and in Romans 12, a sacrifice acceptable to the Lord. So I have to ask you, what comes to your mind when you hear the word sacrifice? Okay. When you hear the word sacrifice, as a good 21st century American, what probably comes to your mind are the things that you have to forfeit or the things that you have to lay down um, to because because you weren't trying to something else is going on and it's like a you're having to sacrifice for example uh, sacrifice your day off to help a friend move yeah. into their house right or um, sacrifice uh, your vacation because you have to work you have to work and make a little bit more money see we we I think as Americans when we hear the word sacrifice. Are you with me? We kind of go to like the things that we have to like let go of, right, for the greater good. But this culture, this context, these people, when they heard the word sacrifice, what would have come into their minds immediately? A a dead, bloody animal. A, A bloody, bleeding, torn apart animal on the altar, right? They lived in the context of this sacrificial system where animals were continually offered up as offerings for sin. So when they heard the word living sacrifice, immediate picture in their mind, dead animal. <laughs> Seriously, blood on the altar. And so a couple of simple questions. These are not meant to trick you, okay? What happens to an animal when it is sacrificed? It dies. What happened to Jesus? When he was sacrificed once for all for your sin and for mine, he died. So a living sacrifice just means that you're constantly dying to yourself. A living sacrifice just means that you're constantly giving your life away to love God and and to love others. You are continual. You have broken free from the lie that trapped my life for the first half of my life, that life is about me. And you have found the true meaning of when Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. A living sacrifice just means you're constantly dying to yourself. You're constantly saying yes to the shaping of God so that you can look more like Jesus. And while at some times that is an uncomfortable process, whoever loses his life, you actually find everything you were made for. I love this, um, that we may discern what is the will of God. What is the will of God? Uh, If you'll uh, humor me for a second, I think that, that we have like, completely misdefined the will of God as the 21st century church in America. 
And I don't think we do it intentionally, but it's kind of one of my soapboxes. So if I get up on the soapbox for too long, just like kick me off, all right? But we usually talk about the will of God when we're talking about our future. And if we're trying to figure out um, if, you know, going to, going to world mandate this weekend is the will of God. It is, by the way. You should all go. <laughs> should I do an internship this summer or should I go overseas and go to the nations this summer, right? We, you, are you with me? You talk about the will of God when you've got something in your future that you're trying to figure out, right? What we're actually saying is, I don't know what God's plan is for my future, which is totally fine. And you're searching out in relationship with God to find out and discover from him what he already knows, which is his plans for your life. But we, we say the will of, I don't know if it's his will. And we completely misdefine it because the will of God actually has nothing to do with your future and everything to do with your present. The will of God has nothing to do with his plans for you and has everything to do with your obedience unto him today. Because the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It literally just means that which is pleasing to God. It means that which honors God and that which pleases him. So how do we discern the will of God? How do we find out? It's actually very simple from what I said at the beginning of my message. The early days, following after Jesus, I just sunk my whole life into his word. You see, the word of God, if you become a student of the word of God, then you will become a student of the will of God. You see, the more familiar you are with his word, the more familiar you become with his will. If you aren't familiar with the word of God, you're going to have a very hard time determining the will of God. If you're not familiar with his word, you're not going to be familiar with his will. And so we've got to become students of the word of God. And when we do, do you know that when, when you when you become a student of the Word of God, that 99% of life becomes actually really pretty clear and black and white as to if it pleases God or not. It's like sometimes, it's like we're walking around and we forgot our glasses at home and, and everything's blurry and we're like, man, I, okay, does that please God? I'm not sure. Should I watch that show? Should I go there? Should I do that? Should I say that? And it's like, oh, I'm not really sure what pleases God or not. And everything's kind of blurry. But as soon as you become a student of the word of God, it's like you put those glasses on and everything becomes so clear. You're like, wow, that doesn't please God at all. Wow, me doing that or saying that or gossiping behind this person's back, that doesn't, that doesn't honor God at all. Me spending my time or my money at this place or doing that thing, that is not God's heart for me. And so the word of God becomes this lens through which we see everything Else And to be a living stone means that we're constantly feeding on that word and allowing ourselves to be shaped by it. Allowing his word to come up to the corners of our life that don't look like Jesus yet. And to let him chisel me until I look like Jesus. Every time that I bump up against this thing, this should win, and something should get chipped off of me. And I'll just be honest. There were so many things that, especially in those early years, that needed to be chiseled off of my life, man, because I did not look like Jesus in so many ways. Like I said, 18 years of my life on no foundation of faith. My life was an unstable mess. 
Okay? And so if you're just like coming to Jesus recently and you're learning how to walk with him, you're relocating your house onto the rock, hey, it's a process. But the process goes a lot faster when you say yes and you just you hold the chisel and say, yep, Lord, I'll hold it for you right there. Take that off. I'll help you. Yeah. Yep, that needs to come off, Lord. It's when you try to squirm away and hold on to some old corner, right? We all know we've all done this. That's when he like has to pin you down and he's like, I'm going to take this off and it's going to actually hurt more if you resist me, but I'm going to get you to look like Jesus. It is going to be the last thing that I do in your life. You know what I'm saying? And so I'll just be honest. One of the, a few things that had to be chipped off of me early on um, in my freshman year, you know, six weeks after I got saved and radically started going after Jesus, I remember I was in a physics class, right? I was a petroleum engineering major for one semester at A&M and I'm in this <laughs> physics class and um, man, this class was so hard and I'm sitting in the back. There's like 300 students. We're taking this exam, me and one of my buddies and it's like, I'm just, I mean, just straight up. Like if I didn't know an answer, I was looking at his paper and if he didn't know an answer, he was looking at mine and man, we aced a couple of tests sitting in the back of that, you know, physics 101 or whatever it was. Just dishonest, man, just cheating my way through this class. And the word of God and the people of God, they just, the conviction got there. And it was like, wow, that's not how we do it in the kingdom of God. That is not what Jesus looks like. And so that corner had to be chiseled off of my life. And it was through the word of God and it was through the people of God. I had a, a, a group of guys. Tyler was one of my first friends in this turn of point in my life and beginning to walk with Jesus. And there were about five of us. We met every Sunday night of our freshman year for about two hours. And we would just chisel each other. And we would get into the word and we would just share the things. And, and it was in that. It was the word of God and the people of God. And it was shaping us. I remember that we were playing intramural football. And I've played sports my whole life like a really competitive guy. And let me just translate that for you. That means really prideful most of the time. If you're just like, man, I'm just super competitive, what you're really saying is I'm really just pretty prideful. So there is a sanctified competitiveness in the kingdom, okay? But you got to be chiseled for a long time to get there. I'm just going to tell you that. So my freshman year, we go on the intramural field, and it's like if you cross me on the football field, I mean, I like blew up on some guys, you know, just like this total jerk filled with pride and filled with anger. And I remember, I mean, I have vivid memories of the first time that stuff came out of me on the football field and the spirit of God was like, that's not how we do it anymore. The Holy Spirit was like, that's not holy. That's not Jesus. That's not who you are. And he chipped that off my life. And I went to my group. I said, I blew up on some guys at the football field. I need to repent. That's not Jesus. Lord, help me. Lust, pornography, sexual sin, 18 years of building on the shifting sand without Jesus. You don't think that I had some, some sexual sin in my life? And man, but as soon as I started getting with Jesus, as soon as I started surrounding myself with his people, it was like, this isn't how we live. This isn't what we do. This isn't holy. This isn't Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, it just, it just, he chiseled it out of my life. Praise God. 
So again, the question is, is simple. Are we surrendered to the chisel? To truly let him shape us. He's building something. He's building something. Yes, he wants you to look like Jesus, but he also wants you to fit into what he's building. He's doing something. Have we surrendered to the chisel? And I just want to offer a few thoughts about the house that we're building in this church. Again, some of that family real talk. Up here, you see we've got a little corner of a, of a building going here, okay? Envision a foundation. This, is, this church has been here for 10 years. This is the 10th year of Antioch and Bryan College Station, all right? The foundation's been poured. Uh, the foundation was, was tirelessly worked on and poured for the first several years of this church. And there's three, four, five layers of stones, living stones, that have begun to construct the lower levels of this wall in this house that God is building, all right? And constantly, we have wheelbarrows of new stones being brought to the construction site. Praise God. Actually, 65%, according to the survey we did in December, 65% of the stones that are available here in our house have been here less than two years. 65% of our church has been here less than two years. And so it just presents a a really interesting uh, building process. Honestly, it's like raising a family. We've been married, my wife and I, for 10 years, and these kids keep showing up into our house, you know? And it's like, we know what our family's all about. You know, we know the culture that we're cultivating in our home, but these kids keep showing up, and it's like, they don't want to get in line, you know? So this is family, right? This is parenting. You've got, so we are entrusted with the job of training our children, bringing them along, say, hey, this is what we're building here in our Pletcher family. This is what we're building. That's not how we treat our siblings. We wake up every morning and we worship Jesus. That's how we start our day in this house. And so they're being shaped. You see, because there's a pile of stones, and God wants every single one of you and every single needs every single one of you to be a part of what he's building here, right? But there's got to be a surrender to the chisel. I don't, and the, here's the beautiful thing. It actually doesn't matter. It's not, a, it's not an issue of how long you've been here. It's just an issue of how willing you are to be shaped. That's it. That's it. God is building something. He's building something. And so today, again, family real talk. We are, we are issuing like a very clear invitation. It's week four of this series. We've been talking about this. This is what God is doing in this church in our family. And we're issuing a very clear, clear invitation today to be a part of what he's building, to say yes to the shaping of Jesus. And I'm calling today Zacchaeus's turning point. You guys remember the story of the short guy that climbed up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus, right? I love it. Zacchaeus, he was, he was as lost as I was, okay? We would have been great buddies before I met Jesus. He was ripping people off and extortion and the whole deal. He was a lonely guy with no friends, and he was a broken man. But he heard Jesus was coming through his town. And he said, maybe this miracle worker can do a miracle in me. Maybe this Jesus guy could change me. So he climbs up in a tree. He's hungry. He wants to get a look at Jesus. He climbs up in a tree, and I love it. Jesus, he comes walking through the crowd. 
And he walks straight up to the base of Zacchaeus' tree. And he says, hey, I want to have lunch with you today, man. I want to eat a meal in your house. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Jesus always, always invites us out of spectating from a distance into the intimacy of his house. And I'm just going to, I feel like there have been Zacchaeuses that are here. You're hungry. You're kind of curious about, man, God is really alive, and he's here, and I experienced something here. And you're spectating. You're hungry, and you're looking on from a distance, and Jesus is coming up to your tree because he loves you so much. And he's like, hey, come out of the tree and into the house. He's inviting us out of spectating and into intimacy. Because here's what's cool. As long as we stay in the tree, you remain unchanged. Unchanged. But as soon as Zacchaeus got in the house and sat across the table and had a meal with Jesus, it changed his whole life. It shaped and chiseled. He repented that day and went and restored fourfold everything that he had stolen from people. You see that? It wasn't just about Zacchaeus' salvation. Something happened in the entire community because he said yes to Jesus' invitation to lunch. Out of the tree and into the house. Oh, he wants to dine with you. He wants you to know him. You know, Jesus looks pretty neat from afar. I bet he looked pretty cool from up in the tree. Oh, here's... Here's this Messiah, the miracle worker, walking down the street. Whoa, that's really cool. But what did he look like sitting face to face across the table? Mm -hmm. Apparently, it was different enough to change his whole life. Will you come out of the tree? If that's where you are, will you come out of the tree and, and into the house? Every one of us is needed in what he's building and you might feel like you're just another spectator in the crowd or just another person up in a tree. But if you're a part of this house and this family, your personal willingness, your personal journey with God is not just your personal journey with God. It has corporate ramifications for what God is building. Do you hear the heart of God? Do you hear the heart of God? Like, my personal journey with God, not just because I'm on staff at this church, my personal journey with God impacts the people that I'm communicating with around, around me. It impacts the people that I'm in life group with, the people that I work with, my kids, my wife. They can tell you Chris's personal journey with God, depending how he's doing one week into the next, impacts our family. That's what it means to be a part of a body. It's never just about you. It's about what God is building. And so there has to be a commitment. It's simple. It's a commitment to the people of God and a commitment to the word of God. So I want to camp on those two things as we close here in a minute. I want to show you a couple pictures because we know that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? We know that he who walks with the wise becomes wise, right? I want you to see a picture of some raw stones just pulled out of a riverbed, just some raw rocks, unshapen, unpolished, okay? So these rocks, they are put into a tumbler. I want you to look at this short video of what happens here when these rocks are put into a tumbler. 
But let's turn it on and start adding some water. So what's happening right now, this is your life group, okay? This is community, okay? This is the agitation of being bouncing off other living stones, okay? And you might have seen at the beginning there was this gritty stuff. So they put this coarse grit in there. I think that's like the Word of God, okay? Because the Word of God's a little abrasive. It needs to be. It's shaping us, right? And then he's pouring water in there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? So if you get into a tumbler called a life group, right, with other stones, and the Word of God comes, and the Spirit of God's in there, and that thing gets tumbled around, you might just get polished. Look at, the, look at these rocks. I'm not making this up. This is what those rocks look like on the inside. This is what you look like on the inside. I'm okay with you still being a little rough around the edges, man. Jump into the tumbler with us and get polished so we can see you shine. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not okay with you staying in the tree. I'm not okay. Jesus is not okay with you staying out of the tumbler because he's building something. And he wants you to radiate with who he's called you to be. And so I'm unashamedly, at the end of this service, I'm going to have the life group leaders come up here. And if this is your church family and you haven't visited a life group yet, this is your time. I want you to come up and say, I want to meet a life group leader. Just find somebody that looks like they're your age and meet them. Say, hey, can I come to your life group? Okay? Seriously. Guys, this, this, hear me say this in love. You cannot, you cannot radiate and shine with what God has put inside of you on your own. You must be in the tumble bin of community, iron sharpening iron. It's the people of God. It's the people of God. Life groups like family dinner, it's where you come together for the place of connection. This crowd gets a lot smaller at a life group, and you connect. But we don't just connect at family dinner. How many of you know we've got a lot of kids? There's a lot of cleaning that needs to be done around a house, too. So my kids, every night, either before or after dinner, it's, we got about a 15-minute window. I'm like, all right, guys. Hey, as soon as I had these three boys that could walk, I was like, I got a labor force. I'm putting these guys to work. And so I'm like, all right, boys. Hey, we're a family. Everybody contributes, okay? If, you're, if the dinner table is where you connect, the serving, the cleaning is where you contribute. Everybody contributes, man. And so my boys are running around that. My three-year-olds put the dishes away, man. They put the dishes away. I'm training them from the early, earliest age. Being in a family means everybody contributes. And so not only are we going to invite you to connect with a life group leader if you haven't done that yet, right after the service for 15 minutes, that's all we're asking. We're having Serve Sunday today. Right down the hallway into our garage, 15 minutes of every opportunity. There's a list, I think, on the screen. Every opportunity to contribute to this family. Every opportunity to serve in what God is building here and to jump in somewhere. It takes a lot of people to build a house, guys. A lot of people. So it's a commitment to the people of God, and then it's a commitment to the Word of God. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up, and we're going to kind of camp and land here, and, and honestly, we're just going to invite the chisel this morning. We're, kinda, we're going to say, yes, Lord, and we're going to invite his chisel. It's just the word of God. Because we know that the word is a lamp unto our feet. 
It is a light into our path. I was walking in so much darkness, just banging my head on every wall. And then I put on the glasses of the word of God. And it's like everything lit up and become, became clear. I stopped banging my head into every wall of sin because God said, no, that's not how we live. Life got actually a lot more pleasant in the light. We know that everyone who hears these words and builds on them and does them is like a man who built his house on the rock. We're not hearers of the word who walk away and don't do anything with it. We're doers of the word. We don't read the Bible like we scroll through our Instagram feed, right? I mean, you guys don't know what I'm talking about. You just scroll through your feed. Oh, cool. Oh, that's a nice looking taco. Oh, nice. She's got a new boyfriend. Oh, cool. Oh, Bethel, oh, new album again. Wow, those guys. Whatever it is you're into, whatever's on your thing, you're just kind of scrolling, but you're not really engaging with it. You're skimming, right? Man, I hope we don't do that with the Word of God because it will never chisel us if we do that. Oh, man, David conquered Goliath today. Oh, cool. Oh, David's writing another psalm. Sweet. Oh, Jesus healed another sick person. I wonder if he can still do that. We're just, we don't skim. We, we read the Word of God with the chisel in our hand. And we say, I'll hold it for you, Lord, until I look like Jesus. Whatever you say, Lord, I want to come in line with you. I want you to shape me. I want you to chisel me. We read the Word of God with the chisel in our hand. So that's what we're going to do this morning. This is one of those Sundays where everybody gets to respond. Because looking across this room, I don't see anybody that is Jesus, right? So, I mean, literally, until we look like Jesus, we all get to humble ourselves before the Lord. That's the invitation today. It's really clear to humble ourselves before God and His Word to pick up the chisel and say, okay, Lord, if there's anything in me, if there's any part of me that doesn't look like you, Jesus, I just, I, just, I just give it to you. I say, have your way, Lord, until I look like Jesus. I'm just going to rest in your hand until I fit into the spot that you have me, Lord, until I fit. It's not just about you today. He's building something. Will you pick up the chisel with me this morning? Will you? Surrender to the shaping. Some of you, you've been doing this for a long time. Maybe it's time for a re-up. Some of you, it's like maybe this is the first time that you say, yes, Lord. But everybody gets to respond because none of us look like Jesus yet. So I'm just going to read seven verses. And I'm going to, we're not going to bring the prayer team up here. We're just going to let the Word of God work on us. Are you okay with that? Are we okay? So I'm going to read a couple verses, and then I'm going to just pause, and we're going to let the Word chisel us a little bit. It's from Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5, seven verses. Let no corrupting talk Come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up the body 
as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Spirit of conviction, come where there's been any any unwholesome talk, corrupting talk from our mouths. Lord, sanctify our mouths this morning. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Spirit of conviction, we just open our hearts, Lord, wherever there's bitterness, if there's any bitterness in this room, Lord, would you kindly expose it in Jesus' name? Is there any unforgiveness in this body? We humble ourselves and say, Jesus, make us like you. You breathed forgiveness over the people that were crucifying you. How shall we hold an offense against one another in our family? Lord, I repent for my own anger at times. I repent for responding to my precious kids reacting in anger. Make me like you, Jesus. You're so slow to anger. Chisel me. Shape me. I want my kids to see the face of Jesus. Not the face of a frustrated father. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. Would we be a people that give ourselves away, Lord? Lord, let selfishness flee in the name of Jesus who was so humble so selfless, so giving of himself, let it be said of us that we walked in love. We gave our lives. We didn't just live for ourselves. Make us like you, Jesus. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Lord, we repent. Lord, we humble ourselves. In any place where we've partnered with lust or, or sexual immorality, Lord, we just bear our hearts and say, have mercy, Lord, on us. Purify your bride. Purify this body, Lord. We repent for any impure thoughts we've entertained. 
any deeds or actions that we've engaged in that we know do not honor you, Lord. We bow our hearts and say, forgive us, Jesus. Make us like you. Pure. Holy. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We know that though you are opposed to the proud, that you give grace to the humble. So we just humble ourselves, Lord. We thank you that the blood of your cross paid for all of our forgiveness and all of our cleansing. The only thing that holds us back from your cleansing is our pride. And so we gladly humble ourselves. We gladly lay before you. We gladly acknowledge there's still areas of our life, every one of us that need to be chiseled. Lord, we receive your grace. We thank you, Jesus, that you poured more than enough of it out for our anger, for our bitterness, for our immorality, for our selfishness, for whatever it is. More than enough, Jesus. Thank you. We receive it today. We receive it today. And church, I want you to stand to your feet because the Lord never leaves us, leads us into the place of repentance to leave us in the dust. He always humbles us so that he may exalt us. Do you know that? He says, humble yourselves before the Lord that he may exalt you. And so we're not gonna finish this service today crying and repenting at the front. If you need to do that, hear me, do that. We're gonna finish this service today lifted up in the victory that God is building something, church. He is building something and he wants you and he needs you and he's shaping you. So let's say yes together and let's declare it out as we close this morning. Thank you, Jesus.